Before we get started today, I wanted to let you know that we have three books now available on Amazon. The first book is called A Catechism for the Church, and it walks you through basic Christian doctrine in a simple-to-follow question-and-answer format. Each question also has the scripture verses that correspond to the answer so that you can look up that verse and know that what you are learning is both biblical as well as foundational. Catechisms have been used throughout church history to train everyone from new believers to children, the basic tenets of the faith, and I am certain that this book will help you grow or to teach your children or new believers in your church as well. The second book we have available is called Journaling Through the Scripture, a Bible study method. Uh, this small book is packed with simple step-by-step -step process, which I use every time I sit down to study the scripture. Uh, in fact, it is the same method I use to prepare for this very podcast. Uh, I know this book will help you as you dive deeper into the Word of God, as you follow along, you know, ask and answer the questions of the scripture that I've laid out in the book. It's going to help you tremendously. Now, the third book, you, know, you may be happy to know, is the Sermon on the Mount, Practical Lessons from Jesus. Now, this book follows along with the last several episodes of the podcast and through to the end of that series. And I am excited about this book because it is the first book to be released that corresponds to a teaching series that I've gone through. Again, these books are available on Amazon, both print and digital format, including Kindle Unlimited. Uh, all the links to these books are on the website, under Resources tab, and in the show notes for this episode. You just go down there and click on them, which take you straight to it. Now, let's get on to our study. Hello, and welcome to Ancient Words, the Bible teaching podcast from Jerry Crow Ministries. My name is Jerry Crow, and I will be your teacher as we study the Word of God together. And now, today's lesson. Hello everybody and welcome back. Um, in today's lesson we're going to look at a section of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says some of the scariest words he ever says in his entire ministry. Um, the verses we're going to look at are quite the contrast from the beginning of the sermon where he starts with the Beatitudes. But before we look at these verses, let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your perfect, inerrant, and infallible word that we have before us today. We thank you for allowing us to come together once again to look into your word, to learn what you would have us to learn, to hear what you would have us to hear, and to do what you would have us to do. Help us to be obedient to your word. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, let's take a look at the next section of the Sermon on the Mount together. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 7. Verse 13, going into verse 23. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to open them. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through verse 23. says this, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because the narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. 
Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. There's a lot we need to unpack here, but these are very well-known verses, so I will try not to dwell on them too long. Um, what we have throughout these verses is a contrast between the life of a believer and the life of an unbeliever. Jesus is telling his listeners how they can know with certainty that they are believers. Let us begin. Verse 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way which leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Jesus begins this section of his sermon by declaring that there are two gates through which we may enter. One gate is narrow, the other gate is broad. Also, he contrasts the paths that these two gates open upon. The narrow gate opens onto a difficult path. The only good thing about, a, about the narrow gate and the difficult path is that the end of the path leads to life. Unfortunately, Jesus says there are few who find it. The second gate, the one that is broad, that leads to a broad path. This path, however, is not described as being difficult, or really in any way at all. It's not described really at all. The only thing Jesus really says about this path is that it leads to destruction. Jesus even says that there are many who go in by this gate and down this path ultimately to their destruction. So what do we see here? I am certain that we have all heard sermons and teachings about this passage, some good and some absolutely dreadful. But what Jesus is trying to get across to his listeners and to us today is that we must enter through the narrow gate and go down the difficult path because it is the only way to have life in the end. If you have ever read Pilgrim's Progress, you know about this idea of choosing between the two gates. Bunyan paints a beautiful picture of the life of a Christian who has entered through the narrow gate. The journey is dangerous even to the point of life and death struggle at times, but the end result is life everlasting. If you have not read it, I would highly recommend it to you. Verse 15 Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. 
Have you ever encountered someone you thought was a good person, but at some point they showed their true colors, and you discovered that they were really deceiving you? Jesus knows that those kind of people are out there, even in his day. So he gives his listeners this stark warning, but then he goes on to let them and us know how we can be discerning. Yes, even judging when it comes to these people. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. What is the difference between a good tree and a bad tree? Well, I think it is obvious that the main difference is the kind of fruit they bear. A good tree will bear good fruit, and a bad tree will bear bad fruit. This is all very well pointed out in the verses, right there in verse 17. But what are the specific fruits that we need to be looking out for so that we do not get mixed up in someone else's bad fruit? Well, we can look at another passage of scripture to help us find the answer to that question. When Paul discusses the differences between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit, bad fruit versus good fruit, he gives us a clear example of what can be considered bad fruit and what can be considered good fruit that a follower of Christ should pursue. So, let us look at Galatians 5, 19 through 23. Verse 19 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Let us first consider the works of the flesh. I do not think we need to dwell too much on any of these, so I will be brief. I will start with the first four. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. These four are all sexual in nature. They are sins not only against God, but against your own body. Next, we see idolatry being listed. Idolatry may not seem like that big of an issue in today's world, but in reality, an idol is anything that comes before God in your heart. Remember how God describes idols in the Old Testament? He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow but down to them, nor serve them, 
for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. That's Exodus 20, verses 2 through 6. Paul then moves on to mention sorcery. Now, there's a lot of different practices that can be listed under this one word, and none of it is good. None of it is from God. Suffice to say, any practice that involves incantations, spells, mystical readings, including palm reading, tarot cards, reading the stars, fortune-telling, etc., potions, or the practice of certain arts, among other things, can be considered sorcery. There is really too much to go into a lot of detail, but I think you can get an overall idea. The next several works of the flesh, Paul lists, are all inwardly motivated. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, and envy. With the exception of one, heresies, these are all something that a person does out of the inward man. If you remember, we have talked a lot about the inward motivations of a person in our study of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has said a lot of this issue, and here Paul spells out even more works that are based inwardly. Heresies, on the other hand, are a purposeful twisting of the scriptures to make them mean something that they do not mean, usually to match your own ideas. While heresies are inwardly motivated, they are much more than that. They are a blatant hatred for the word of God, and therefore blatant hatred toward God himself. The last of Paul's list of the works of the flesh, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, are outward workings of what has happened to the spirit of a person who has been corrupted by evil. All of these things that Paul has listed for us are the exact opposite of what God wants his people to be. That is why Jesus warns us against people who do such things. This begs the question, what then should we look for in a person and strive for in ourselves? Well, Paul gives us the answer to that question as well. I will just leave the verse here without much explanation. Verse 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. These fruits are what we should look for, what we should strive to show forth in our own lives. Jesus says that those who bear bad fruit, works of the flesh, will be cut down and thrown into the fire. You remember what the fire represents in Jesus' teachings? It represents the all-consuming, never-ending fire of hell. Now, I do not know about you, but I do not want to be cut down and thrown into that fire. Instead, I want to be a tree that produces good fruit, fruit of the Spirit, so that I can see Jesus in that last day and be welcomed into his kingdom. 
And now we move on into the most distressing words that Jesus ever says. It scares me to no end that these words are in the scripture, but here they are. Verse 21, he says, But not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Do you notice how Jesus starts this section? He actually says that there will be people who call him Lord, who do not enter the kingdom of heaven. There will be people who have done things in this world in the name of Jesus, who do not get to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why would this be so? Jesus gives us the answer here. He tells us that these people did not do the will of the Father. Look at verse 21 again. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. That is a difficult saying, and I am sure that when Jesus moved to this part of his sermon, his voice probably changed a little. I would speculate that there was probably a little sadness that came into his voice, because he does not want to see anyone be sent away from him. The question remains, what does it mean to do the will of the Father in heaven? Well, first we must know where to find the will of the Father. The will of the Father is only revealed in the Holy Scriptures. Therefore, we must study the Scripture to learn the will of the Father. Second, we must know what it means to be obedient to the will of the Father. Simply doing what we have learned is not all that there is to it. There is, as we have seen throughout the Sermon on the Mount, a heart motivation behind doing the will of the Father. If we try to be obedient out of necessity, then we are not being truly obedient. We must be obedient out of love and out of a spirit of knowing that we are his children. There are many people who do things begrudgingly or out of spite. When we are obedient to the will of the Father, out of a correct motivation, then we know that we are being truly obedient. Jesus moves on to say the words that I do not think any of us want to hear on that last day. Even after these people have done many mighty works in his name, he will look at them and say, Depart from me. I never knew you. What does it mean to be known by Jesus? First, it means that we have entered into the path by the narrow gate. It means that we have accepted his work on the cross and and we have put all our faith and trust in him. Even though we know that the path 
that the narrow gate leads to is difficult, we have faith that he will be with us and see us through to the end. Our salvation is not dependent upon ourselves. It is dependent on the work of Jesus. When we enter through the narrow gate by putting our trust in Jesus Christ for our salvation, we are entering into the first steps of being known by him. Secondly, being known by Jesus means that we bear good fruit in our lives. This seems obvious, but it might not be so obvious to some people. Those who bear bad fruit, as we have seen, are cut down and thrown into the fire. Those who bear good fruit are left to bear fruit. Later in John 15, Jesus says that those who are in him and bear fruit are pruned so they can bear more fruit. The pruning process, the removal of dead branches, sinful desires and tendencies in our lives is not pleasant, but it is necessary for us to grow and bear more fruit. Finally, being known by Jesus means that we obey the will of the Father. Only those who obey the, obey the Father are known by the Son. That is what he has just told the people here. So I will leave you to consider this question. Does Jesus Christ, the Son of God the Father, know you? If your answer is yes, then all you need to do is continue the journey on the path you have started now. If your answer is no, then the good news for you is that it is not too late for you to change the path you are on. As long as there is breath in your lungs, you can still move through that narrow gate and travel the difficult road that leads to life. Just remember, it is not a gate that everyone finds. Only the Holy Spirit of God can show you where the gate is and how to move through it onto the right road. It might be a difficult road, but it is the road which leads to life everlasting and away from those dreadful words of Jesus. Those words that none of us want to hear. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for another opportunity to study your word. I thank you for the chance to help someone see the way to find you. I pray that someone listening to this would open their hearts to you and start down the path that leads to life everlasting. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, and our Savior and Lord. Before you go, would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. Each one of these studies is enjoyable for me to do, and I pray that they are a blessing for you to, as you listen and study along with me. Please follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for Jerry Crow Ministries or going directly to at Crow Ministries on these social media outlets. Um, I would also like to announce that our three books are available on Amazon. Um, they are available in 
print and digital formats. You can find detailed releases on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Any money from the sale of these books goes directly back into the ministry. Here to keep this podcast going and to keep other books coming out. There are a couple other books that I have in the works right now. All the links will be in the show notes for this episode. Click on the description and you can get to any of the sites that we talked about. Thank you. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to Ancient Words, the Bible teaching podcast from Jerry Crow Ministries. We hope that you are encouraged by the Word of God. Remember to take a moment and look up today's scriptures and dig into the Word for yourself. For more information about Jerry Crow Ministries, please go to www.jerrycrowministries.com. There you can find information about the ministry, contact information, and catch up on some of our latest writings. Tune in next time for more biblical understanding. May God bless you and keep you in our Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit.